unfortunately, I can't get a really good rant on this. Hello and welcome to episode number 96 of Grumpy Old Ben's for Monday, September 21st, 2020. I am Darren O'Neill coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of middle America, just outside of Chirac, where fall is coming and the lead in the air is nice. And from America's left coast, where I'd rather burst into flame than burst into song, but only just. I'm Ryan Bemrose. You're going to burst into song? I mean, were you like, I know you did. We've heard the stories. You were doing that before the show. Well, I always do that. But you were talking about before with uh, Tony, your brother, how you guys were in like the school productions and stuff like that. So were you up there singing, you know, in a full leotard mode? What were you doing? I was the dude in the front row of the audience throwing popcorn, trying to make it into the girl's cleavage. Did you ever do that? Yes. Oh, so you were talented. I well, (laughs) we we had one. uh, We we decided to uh, do a high school melodrama and the. Uh, drama teacher whose idea with this was came up with the idea well you know we can just you know hand out popcorn to the audience and uh they can and have them know, throw, throw it, up it? State for the for the yeah for the full melodrama effect and yeah yeah by the way after that production was done they actually had to replace the carpets in the <laughs> theater because that freaking room smelled like fake theater butter forever yeah and that stuff is not healthy no doubt about it yeah, I wasn't actually in that production per se, but I was well, I was I had to study all the lines and be there with all the actors because it was the understudy for all the male parts. And not, none of them begged out because I would have had to be on stage, which would have been really awful. I mean, that would have cranked up the melodrama a lot. Well, but, it's good to uh, know you have male parts. But the result was I had to be there for every single rehearsal. And during the final dress, I was in the the front and I knew all of the lines. There was one line where, uh, you know, somebody was like, uh, you know, we. We can't go out to these hills. They're too flat or something like that. And, and I screamed uh, right, right as she delivered her line, I screamed, that's not all that's flat and completely derailed the entire production. Ooh, yeah, that sounds like a Bemrose thing to do. Well, excuse me. We were inviting the audience to heckle. And so (laughs) what you do is you go through all your rehearsals with the world's greatest heckler in the audience. Well, yeah, that's well, that's how you're supposed to do it. If like if you're a stand up comedian, you would like that ability to think on your feet to not be thrown by anything anybody says so you were just trying to help out yes i'm helping <laughs> you're very well you still you're doing that here <laughs> as well i am an extremely helpful individual i wish more people recognized that <laughs> yeah we, we're going to give you an award for that but i'd like to say i figured out the issue of the computer crashing when i went to paypal yeah and we're running windows 10 yes that is the issue but our buddy Progo, right in Kidwell, he was the one. Well, first, I was talking to Cold Acid about it because it was still happening yesterday. And Cold Acid's like, well, totally uninstall the video driver and reinstall it. Maybe, you know, something glitched. Did that, was still having the problem. Although that was also the time I realized after uninstall of the NVIDIA driver, before the reinstall of the new one, the problem had disappeared. So I was pretty sure that's where the issue was coming from. Yeah. I mean, so was I, but I uh, clearly didn't articulate it very well on the show last Friday. Well, yeah, because you are a heckler. You're not an articulator. But those are two totally different skill sets. Progo said you can also turn off the and rightfully so 
the hardware acceleration in the browser. So I tried that in both Brave and in Firefox, and that also stopped the crashing. So we knew it was definitely something going to the video card. But since it was a brand new problem and I looked and it's like, oh, well, the latest video driver from NVIDIA was on the 17th of this month. I'm like, okay, rolling that back and uh, install the previous driver and everything's fine. So there's no question. I, I I bet you were just uh, taking updates as Microsoft handed them out and not paying any attention and probably didn't even realize that your video driver had updated. That's how it works with most people. Microsoft just pushes out updates and every once in a while something breaks entirely. And no, uh, I think I, I did it through or NVIDIA. Or is it too early in the show for rent? No, I think I did it through NVIDIA. They're, okay, I mean, stop taking responsibility <laughs> for this. I'm trying to go into an anti-Microsoft screed here. I'd like to say it was Microsoft's fault, but no, it's in NVIDIA in this case for pushing out a driver with a very weird error because it was giving a DCOM error. And that was one that... Oh, oh fuck DCOM so hard. I know. I mean, I had no idea. Well, I had an idea, but it's been a while since I've had the pleasure and everybody should do this. If you're running windows, any recent version of windows, you know, it doesn't matter which one go to the event viewer and just look at what's going on on your system. How many warnings, how many errors, how many overall just issues that are going on. And I noticed that these decom errors were happening right before the monitors would go to sleep. And that's also what I realized was happening. It wasn't locking the system up. It would just when you got to the PayPal page and I did find people complaining about the same thing about a month ago. So obviously this isn't the first time this has happened with the NVIDIA drivers and it could happen, I'm sure, to any video card drivers. But when you got to whatever site that's causing this, the computer didn't crash. It just said eh, monitors went into sleep mode and wouldn't come back on. So the computer, I guess, was probably still running fine, but I just couldn't see anything on the monitors. Well. DCOM was one of Microsoft's first attempts at enabling interpreted languages like Visual Basic that that run in a sandbox to call the the Win32 API to call out to DLLs to call out to binary code and so when you're making your binary DLL on in C or C++ usually C cuz a lot of people at Microsoft don't understand C++ but when you're making your DLL, you have to implement a certain interface a certain way, and it's not super well specified, so it's easy to screw up. And then on the side of the interpreted language, if if you're you know if you were in Visual Basic, for example, then it was entirely up to Microsoft to the the people writing the language to make sure that you can call it correctly. And uh, the problem was that it didn't report it didn't report errors very well, and it accepted incorrect parameters without adequately explaining why there was an incorrect parameter so the result was that if you, you what we did was we handed a gun to novice programmers who knew only how to program in visual basic which back then was the the javascript of languages it was the language that that every script kitty who downloads hello world from the internet can look at and go i program and we handed a gun to them and said here just fire off binary blobs into DLLs and see what happens. Well, and when they did it right, it was awesome because you could embed objects, you know, that that was that was the holy grail back then was Olay uh, uh, office linking and embedding or something like that and you could you could import your clipboard contents from Visual Basic into a Word document. Ooh. But if you did it wrong, it was 
actually pretty hard to tell how you did it wrong. And so many people shipped software that did not implement decom correctly. Well, Cold Acid, an expert here on Grumpy Old Ben's in the troll room. And if you're not there, when we do these shows live at noon Eastern on Mondays and Fridays, he typed the words that always get my attention. Sir Bembrose is wrong. That's not what DCOM is for. DCOM is for distributing COM across multiple computers. What he's talking about is OLE slash COM automation. And, and, and who are you going to believe? Some dude named Ben who's out there working in the field right now? <laughs> yes. Or the dude who's ranting at you right now because he has some irrational dislike of Microsoft for technology that he worked with professionally almost 15 years ago. I'm going to go with cold acid on this one. <laughs> see, the, now I see where all of your. Yeah. Now I see where your loyalties lie. I'll remember this later. Hey, I was just pointing out he's an expert. He knows what he's talking about. You were close. I mean, it's Windows. I mean, so there. this is a system that is so it still feels no matter how much they improve, if that's even a word people want to use for this. But it still feels like such a patchwork put together because it's gotten to be such a monstrosity. This is kind of like your grandma's quilt where there's a bunch of holes in it. That's kind of what Windows is. Like everything's kind of connected. And it just isn't always connected in the best way. And these errors, the, the most you know, hilarious thing about this was the error that this was throwing, which was, I think, at 10016. Everybody's like, ah, that's just a ghost in the machine. I mean, it's it's no big deal. It's like, well, it's a big deal oh, because it's happening. One one six. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. It's happening. Because, you know, and then the whole system becomes, well, not technically unresponsive. It's just not giving any video signal. But the reality is then the fix for this allegedly is because on the error, they'll give you the class ID. They'll give you the application ID. You have to go find these in the registry. And then because the error was that the system didn't have the proper permissions to launch these things. And even after uh-huh. going to change that and change, you know, it's like it just it just didn't work. And this was yes. in the uh, per app runtime broker, whatever the per app runtime broker is. But uh, that was having issues. Calm, by the way, was the yeah, it was the amazing technology that is uh, the reason why the registry went from if anyone's old enough to remember Windows three and before when it was win.ini. It was just a, a text file with a bunch of settings. And then in Win95, that became the registry. And then, you know, it was really just for Windows settings. And then someone went, hey, we could actually have every single program installer drop information in here so that we can do a bunch of magic behind the scenes and people will never need to know that it's there. And in fact, you don't need to know that it's there other than every single installer generally doesn't remove that information. So every time you install and uninstall something, the installers leave extra crap around in the register. You know what? I don't need to rant against the registry. You all know this. Yeah, most people do. And it gets a little bit cluttered. And there are ways, you know, programs that you can use to allegedly fix those problems, which often cause more problems on their own because they may remove something that you actually need. But in, you know, in this case, this was just an error that was not a simple thing to track down. I mean, it would be nice if it was actually saying, well, the video card crashed because of this. No, I mean, Windows doesn't give you that kind of good information. You just have to try to put this stuff together on your own. And it's amazing just how many things throw up errors that seemingly just don't matter for things that either no longer exist. You know, and then I was, you know, considering this because I haven't really thought about this in years. 
which was, okay, so say there's a driver and it's easy enough to uninstall NVIDIA's driver. They're not a problem with this. But I've tried a few different programs. One of them recently was like a voice changer program. It's like, oh, would this be good for, you know, like doing the rock and roll pre-show where you could do a crazy alien voice, you know, something turning it on and off to where you can go into, you know, different voices to do shtick. And of course, the download, which is a free download, try it now. And then you get it and it's like 95% of it is grayed out. And anytime you try to change a little setting, it's like buy pro. And it's like, no. You know, so I just we we had a word for that back in the day. It was called crippleware. Yeah. And that it is. It is definitely crippleware. But I know that it installed a driver because it it needs a audio driver in the system. So once I uninstalled the program, I'm like, well, how do you know these old drivers are also getting pulled? Is there a way to go and see the drivers that are on the system that are no longer needed? Or is there a way to go and just see every driver that's on your system? Fresh windows install. That's it, huh? So it's pretty take, much nuke. Take it. off and nuke the site for more, but it's the only way to be sure. Yeah, that's sad, but uh, <laughs> that's kind of what I, I figured. Mean, there, there's a reason why registry cleaners are a thing, but um, get can you trust them to get everything? Uh, it, uh, it, the the problem with installers in general, and one of the reasons that I hate running them is what what you're asking software developers to do is to write two programs at once in addition to the program that does something you're asking them to write a program that spews things into your os wherever it is they need to be right, and then the you're files. asking them to write another one that re- undoes all of the things the installer did and by the way which of those has to work in order for your beautiful awesome software to be usable by everybody who needs it in order, in order, you know, when I write the, the most beautiful software in the world, because as a programmer, anything I write is obviously the most you know, everybody needs to run it. <laughs> right. That, that is what, how programmers think. And when I write this thing, I need to write an installer for it because you can't use, you can't experience my greatness as a programmer unless I install things correctly. So the installers always put shit on the system wherever it needs to go. Now, it might put other stuff on the system too because that's incidental and really doesn't affect my program. But given that my program is the greatest thing ever, you shouldn't need to uninstall it. So really, how much effort am I going to put into writing another program that knows how to remove it? Not a lot. No, and what what's your opinion and I'm sure there are multiple companies yeah, everything sucks. Yeah, that well, I know that's your overall opinion, but uh, there's a program that I've used a bit, which is put out by a company called IOBit, and they have an uninstaller program that allegedly, I mean, one, they want it running all the time, which I never do. But I, I get the concept. These have been around now for probably 15 or 20 years. I don't remember who the first one, who was the first company that made a program like this. But the concept was they would monitor all installations because a lot of programs, as you said, you have to have an uninstaller, but quite often the uninstallers just don't work or the uninstallers yeah. weren't written correctly. And then, well, how do you uninstall? Because Windows is like, I need that uninstaller. And this program, IOBit and other people have made these where you go in and yeah, they I think, monitor I think this. My first one was from Norton. Yeah, it might have been, you know, this uninstall pro that it's like, we'll monitor everything that way. We can uninstall stuff that normally can't be uninstalled easily. And the IOBit one, the interesting thing is they actually then do a search for the registry keys associated with that program. And I like that because I don't think anybody else is doing that, especially not the uninstallers 
from the program. They're just wiping the files out. They're not going back to like, oh, well, you added this, this and this to the registry. Well, the, the ones I've seen actually uh, install a, a rootkit, really, because there was no way back in the day to to monitor this. But that would hook into all of the registry write APIs and they would detect when an installer is running and then record every single registry key that was written so that they could play back and reverse and delete all those keys when you run the un- uninstaller. That makes sense. And that and seems well, like it, a better it way does to do right it. Right up until, you know, re- remember that I said the installer is, is not, uh, it's not metadata and it's not a, a set of instructions how to install. It is an arbitrary program that runs with root access on your machine. And by convention, what that program should be doing is copying files into your program files directory, which uh, inexplicably is uh, completely locked down for permissions, which is why it requires root access. And then if the installer needs to, it takes a dump in the registry and then installs a rootkit or whatever it is that your software requires. But it has permission to do everything on your system. And when an installer just does the normal conventional thing of dropping some files in a location and then writing some registry keys, then it makes perfect sense to uh, go in and, you know, remove the registry keys, remove the files and you're uninstalled. But the whole reason why the uninstaller has to be a full program is because the installer can do literally anything. It might go in and change your host's file and what registry watcher is going to pay attention to that. It, it might go in and, you know, change your, your the security settings on your system 32 directory so that it adds the remote users so that the person could log in and connect to the botnet that was just installed. Ooh. You don't know. Yeah, that is the issue. And Sir Matthew has a question, which is, so is CC cleaner even worth it? Then there's um, the true dude's name. Ben will say, no, never touch him but I've used it on systems and never ran into a problem, but always back up your registry first. Well, in, in accordance with what I just said, 95% of the installers out there will do nothing more than try to install software. They will, uh, you know, crap in the registry and dump some files into your program files directory. And a registry cleaner is going to, you know, if, if, uh, if you follow convention in your installer and, you know, I create, you know, my software is called Bemrose whatever and i go and create a registry key in hklm software slash bemrose software or something like that and then i put all my keys under that which is convention the way it's supposed to go then a registry cleaner will easily be able to go in and say oh you don't have bemrose soft on this thing anymore so we'll just remove the bemrose key under there everything is golden right like i said it, it is the fact that installers can do anything to your system and no registry cleaner is going to be smart enough to be able to account for all of the things that a arbitrary Turing complete program can do. I mean, it's, it's the halting problem. It, it is, it is not possible for your registry cleaner to be able to undo everything that an installer can do because an installer can do exactly the same amount of things that a registry cleaner can do. Yeah. And I found really the, including up to uninstalling your registry cleaner, by the way. <laughs> well, right. Well, you have to be able to do that. The only use I've had for it would have been most recently, if you're trying to say install a new trial version of software or something like that, and they're like, nope, you've installed this previously. Back in the day, all you used to have to do is go into the registry cleaners or search the registry manually, which is even more dangerous. 
and find any key that's associated with that company and delete it. And then all of a sudden it's usually like, oh, okay, you've never tried this. So the, you know, they would well, give you the, the trial. These again. days they're, they're fingerprinting your system and sending a hash to a central database somewhere. So you actually have to change your hardware before it'll let you do it again. Those bastards. They wonder why people pirate stuff. <laughs> well, it, it doesn't hurt to have a, a live debugger and be able to uh, monitor running code so that you can look and go, okay, this is where it's calling into a hash function and sending the data. You know what? Let's just send uh, an arbitrary random information. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Not, not where, you know what? Not worth it. That's a lot of work. And uh, frankly, yeah, if, if software is doing that, if it, then it, there's somebody else wrote some software that doesn't do that. Well, That's the beauty of, uh, well, I, I would say capitalism in general, but the beauty of lots of lots of people able to do things without any central control is that if somebody does something you don't like, you'll find somebody else's product. Well, you see, don't you know, capitalism's the problem, according to an article on TechCrunch. I this have week. heard that. Yeah, this is uh, uh, by Danny Crichton, which I just. No, mostly by people who seem to think socialism is an answer. Yes, yes. And uh, it, it's it's depressing when I see this kind of trash on a site like TechCrunch, because, you know, tech shouldn't have to be political. It really shouldn't. I mean, I understand they're going well, to intersect. Things shouldn't be. Yes. But once this becomes your main. But whether or not I can breathe when I go to the grocery store shouldn't be political. But here's here's the article, how it starts on TechCrunch. Now, let me let me see if you can get a vibe on what this where this guy's going. It used to be easy to tell the American and Chinese economies apart. One was innovative. One made clones. One was a free market, while the other demanded payment to be a political party and its leadership. To a political party and a leadership. I'm, I'm confused. Which one of the which is which are they talking about? Exactly. A corrupt wealth generating scam that by some estimates has netted top leaders billions of dollars. One kept the talent borders porous, acting as a magnet for the world's top brains, while the other interviewed you in a back room at the airport before imprisoning you on sedition charges. Okay, that might have been both. <laughs> comparison i mean this is just uh yeah this is just I, I mean if if you if you think that uh, if you think that one of them isn't ripping off the other or even itself then you really haven't been paying attention to silicon valley well one of its big takeaways here is tiktok success is many things but it's quite frankly just an embarrassment for the united states Okay, really? so it's a it's a rah rah nationalist piece. Go America, no, number one. It's a finger. It's the opposite. I think it's a go China. Is really what oh. it is. Okay, you know, it's like this is an embarrassment. Yeah, that makes it better. No, I don't. I just don't get it. It's like this whole concept that in this whole article goes on and on and how like China is now like the world leader in all of this stuff and how they're the ones innovating and here, here, here's. Here's the way what you need to know if you want to know where they're coming from is uh, who wrote the story. How old are they? And do they have a college degree? Yes, because it's I, I'm doubting he has any real information because he's pissed that Trump's trying to do patriotic education. That's thrown in here. The, here's the, the end of the article is. So what are we left with here in the United States and increasingly in Europe? A narrow minded policy of blocking external tech innovation to ensure that our erotic and entrenched incumbents don't have to compete with the best in the world 
If that isn't a recipe for economic disaster, I don't know what is. But hey, at least the youth will be patriotic. And and who who do they think is causing this? Because that is a side effect of of a cart a monopolistic cartel, which is uh, I mean, you have a state monopoly in China run by the CCP. In the U.S., you just have a monopolistic cartel run by the big tech companies uh, who are doing the same thing to try to re- eliminate any competition. That's it, it is it is a failure mode of any economy when you have any kind of monopoly or someone who has that much control. And in China, it's the CCP. And in America, it's Google or Amazon or, you know, Facebagger, who yeah. are basically all the same people. You know, they're talking about ByteDance. They build apps. They distribute them on app stores around the world. It, it has exactly the same tools available that every entrepreneur with an Apple developer account has access to. Bullshit. Yeah, yeah. ByteDance is, is the latest <laughs> political whipping boy. There's, well, there's always someone, oh, you know, this company is really evil for coming up with something innovative. Yeah. Well, no, well, this guy loves ByteDance. And he okay. doesn't understand why anybody with an a, uh, Apple developer account can't compete. Because, you know, they have the same tools available to them. I'm like, are you fucking high? You're well, talking okay, first about- <laughs> of all, a- Apple developer account. You're you're there's an inherent gatekeeper in there already. And I hate it. But yeah, well, the concept is just anybody, any programmer, you, Sir Bemrose and here in the United States, cold acid, all these guys that write code, you have the same exact chance of building a great app as this bite dance company does. You have the same resources uh, available like to you. That's not true. <laughs> well, well, I mean, I could just pull down a bunch of JS, you know, jQuery and node libraries and string them all together into a, a 120 megabyte source blob and then call it an app. Oh, wait, that's how most apps are written. Yeah. And I mean, that's what I'm, you know, this guy is basically blowing ByteDance for coming out with this great TikTok, which has captivated the world. And it's like, it's a piece of shit social media platform. That's all it is. It allows people to fucking take pictures and do short videos. What's so fucking impressive about that? It's a social media platform <laughs> that has successfully taken advantage of the network effect. It's it's once you get yes, I, I, I don't think it's the technology that causes a social platform to become big or not. It's, you know, you could call it roll of the dice or it could be just some, you know, a made whether or not you apply psychological principles and really clever marketing. But once you get enough people, then the word of mouth and the network effect will get you more people. And that's when your stuff will blow up. I mean, you know, you, you remember when the, the thing that absolutely blew up was, uh, you know, angry birds or for example, which right. was just a remake of crush the castle with a colorful icons that somehow managed to get enough people to become fucking huge. You know, every, every time, something blows up and gets millions and millions of people then word of mouth just turns it into hundreds of millions and and then eventually somebody looks at it and like this is crap yeah cold acid agrees with me he doesn't have the same resources that uh available yeah, i'm to him wondering as, about as this cold dance. acid guy he's doing a lot of agreeing with you yeah i like him i'm we're gonna start <laughs> yeah. featuring him a little more i like people that agree with me well, so you now, know what else is windows 10's fault everything well, yeah, um, you can run uh, certain Android apps on Windows 10 now. I know we can. Before we get into that, though, I just had one other story oh. I wanted to uh, talk about, which was also on, on TechCrunch, which was three stories before I get one. I get it. Amnesty International calling for human rights controls because the EU is exporting 
face recognition technology to China. So they disagree with their other guy where China was the top and the U.S. and Europe sucks. They're also now have an article that they're mad that the EU is sending technology to China. So which is it? Lots of people are, quote unquote, exporting lots of technology to China. Um, It goes not only, you know, I I don't know if exporting is the right word because the mechanism being used is actually espionage. You can't lock down information and it's disingenuous to say we shouldn't be exporting this to China. Well, you know what? We probably shouldn't be exporting all of the U.S. companies trade secrets to China either. But they seem to be successfully stealing them. No exporting required. So I just thought that was funny. The TechCrunch had two articles like on the same day. One yeah. is that China is the best at all this stuff and the U- EU and the United States can't even keep up. And then the other one was people are mad that people are sending the. So I just TechCrunch doesn't yeah. know what the hell they're doing. How, and how dare acid, these publications not have know, all what of are you their disagreeing with? The same because I said that there was no way that uh, the people that are just have an app account have the same resources available are you saying you do have the same resources available to you as ByteDance or not because if you think you don't then i'm in agreement with you and you're in agreement you, with me you want to just bring cold acid on the show Am maybe I he does have a podcast he does he's but it's not this one he has misinterpreted his interpreter was on the fritz Okay, you, I, I could go out for a smoke if you just want to have a conversation with the troll room for a while. I mean, do you smoke? It's not like you need me here. Or do you just like go out and like, and no, actually, I'm in. not smoking anymore. That was last week. We had ourselves some really impressive rain showers that, that caused all the smoke in the atmosphere to land on my car. <laughs> so is it like nice and dirty? You have to go clean it now? Oh, fucking filthy. Do you go out in a Speedo? Get the, give the ladies down the block a little treat. Speedo? Why? Why would I wear the? Not you're going out naked is what you're saying. Well, I'd start out in a robe, but eventually you have to strip it off for the little ladies down the street. Right. Give them a little uh, give them a little wiggle. So now you you wanted to run your Android apps on your Windows machine. Want to? (laughs) You can. I know. Uh, (laughs) uh, Microsoft announced this a month ago, uh, but apparently they they recently rolled it out. Um, You can now uh, using the Windows 10 My Phone app. You can uh, open up a window that you are launching your Android apps in. Uh, the The catch is it's it's still running on your phone, and it's it's essentially a, a screen virtualization technology where you take your phone and it says you have to pair your phone with uh, either Wi-Fi or Bluetooth to the computer. And my my first thought was when I want my phone to be attached to my computer, I use a USB cable. Because that kind of protects against stray RF waves. You don't have somebody taking over your phone across the street or something. Yeah, better but, security. Uh, you know, they they probably have some kind of authentication protocol that that surely can't be hacked, and I'm sure it's fine. <laughs> uh, but yeah, apparently, you know, if your phone has Wi-Fi signal in the drawer, uh, you can pull it up on Windows using the My Phone app, and it will now allow you to to get like the you know, emulator, probably a big vertical screen because nobody turns their screen sideways. None of the gaps work that way anymore. Right. And when you're doing uh, video, people, come on. How, how have people not learned this yet? Why do people, what? you know, when, they, when they're taking video, I mean, I, I can't stand when you see a video like on the news of somebody like with the oh, riots and stuff. Videos, yes. Yeah. And they, it's in the wrong ass. You know, they're like holding it up. and no, down. The, the worst is when when it gets posted to YouTube and they use whatever that filter is that takes like the left and right most pixels of the image and and extends them into this blurry shit off to the side. Yes. 
It's like, no, it's so disorienting. And like, no, if you're taking video, turn your fucking phone sideways. Well, but that's I, not I how people, the thing is people view on their phones now and they don't want to turn it sideways. So it, that's the, the, I mean, that's not how human vision works. Human vision is far more, has far more acuity sideways than up and down. But Hey, why not? Sure. I tell you what though, vertical pictures are pretty good for full body nudes. I mean, selfies. Well, yeah, but or yeah, because otherwise you'd have to like scroll and zoom and that would be annoying. Yeah. And and it's actually really difficult, especially if you use a right handed mouse and right hand for other things. It, anyway, I mean, voice control is where this is important. So here's the catch with the uh, the Android thing. It only works on certain devices. Well, I know Samsung uh, was one of the first. Uh, Samsung is kind of all of them. Yeah. OK. And that's why they're still the first. Uh, yeah, they, they are. Let's see. Uh, Galaxy Note 9, Galaxy S9, Galaxy S9 Plus, Galaxy Note. You know what? There's like 30 listed here, but every single one of them has the word Samsung Galaxy. And I um, have one of these sitting on my desk right here, but I have not tried this I, as of yet. I have a Samsung Galaxy S8, which is not on the list. Oh, you just missed out. <laughs> well, I missed out because my phone is four years old and I'm actually OK with that. <laughs> you know, it's. <laughs> Because I also can't use this because I don't have Windows 10. Oh, see, I do. I have that and a Samsung device, but I don't know what I would use this for because I don't really text on the phone. If I do any of the texting, I do it through Google, which I know is a really bad idea, but I can do that on any device. Well, in that case, you now have the ability to have your phone in a drawer somewhere in your house connected to Wi-Fi and go into your My Phone app on Windows 10 and launch TikTok from there. But then how will I take pictures of my junk with it? Well, obviously you would have to use the camera on your computer. Well, now will or, they let you use the camera or, on your computer? That's an interesting you concept. You could put your junk in the same drawer as the phone. <laughs> right. Think not, inside the box. I mean, I meant like by my junk, it's just like my pens and my discs and whatever's in that drawer there. Yeah, the, what do you that's what I was talking about. What do you think, you pervert? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, but I don't get this concept of bringing up your phone on your desktop i mean i understand Uh the technology and i understand what it does but for a majority of people i think rather than visualizing the whole screen now if there was a way to just have it pop up when you got a text or something like that maybe maybe this allows you to do that i I mean i i fully accept that if there is something that i want to use something i want to connect to uh in in this in this age there are a lot of companies out there that don't even bother with, uh, you know, nobody bothers with a desktop app anymore. Uh, if you want something, it's generally like web or, or phone app. And a lot of them aren't even bothering with web anymore. They're like, if you want to use our service, go get the phone app. Uh, and Microsoft recognizes that and their the windows phone push completely failed. So they've got to jump on and come up with some way to still be relevant. and. If I do have an app on my phone that I have to use, and this is a total hypothetical situation, because I can't imagine how any of those services would be worth using. But if there is a service and it is only available as an app on my phone, my phone has a three inch screen and I'm old and I can't fucking read that. Let me blow it up onto the big screen on in front of me where I can see pixels. That's I mean, that's an accessibility benefit right there. Yeah, I guess that is. And if I could just go off on a side tangent, since you mentioned web apps, oh, and I'd like please to do. I'd like to say fuck LG 
the company LG for. In, in fact, please side tangent for at least two minutes. <laughs> OK, I get it. I get it. Uh, just like the washer and dryer have to empty out somewhere. So does Sir Bembrose. The LG app, which I had on my iPad because we got a new washer and dryer a couple of years ago. And it's Wi-Fi because all new appliances must be Wi-Fi. And I get it. I don't mind this technology. I think we've talked about it before. Going back to the two and a half men when Charlie Sheen, when he was like, no, uh, Alan told him, hey, no, your washer. How do you know when it's done? Well, it'll, it'll text you. Oh, really? And that was a big joke back then. But this is what it does now. So if you have your washer and dryer like mine are down in the basement, you can't really hear the annoying little do 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 when the cycle is done. It has the ability for whatever device you want to attach it to to tell you that the wash is done, the drying cycle is done. So this was on an iPad. Yes, Harry Hamster, the iPad. It's a few years old. It was the only the iPad still when it comes down to tablets. They're hard to beat. The biggest one, the 12.9 inch screen, whatever it is. So I had the LG app on there and I noticed, you know, it wasn't working anymore. It wasn't telling me that my wash was done. It wasn't telling me that my drying was done. So I go in and I open up the app and it's like, to continue using this app, you must update the app. And it's like, okay, this, this is kind of annoying. So I go into the app store and I update the LG app. And that wasn't the most annoying part. The most annoying part was then opening up the LG app to have the prompt you must sign in with an account for this to work. Now it's like, fuck you. The earlier versions of the app, you didn't have to make a fucking account. You didn't have to sign in with Google or Facebook or Twitter, or all this other bullshit. It just worked because I bought your fucking washer and dryer, spent thousands of dollars on your shitty ass fucking product. And that expected sounds like it where just you to made work. the mistake. Yes. I expected I- it just to work. <laughs> well, there's your problem. Uh huh. And it did work until <laughs> please, they updated the me- app. Please tell me there's some kind of UI on the front of these things that allows you to use it manually without an app, you know, the same way that washing machines have worked for 50 years. Well, of course it does. But as I said, the the one benefit is when the washing machine and the dryer are all the way across the house and you can't hear when the cycle is done, it's nice to have your device go ding and no matter where you are and see, oh, the washing's done. You know, that's the only thing I really wanted from the app. How have people coped? In, uh, how has humanity existed by constantly going to, to check make your phone go ding walking up and down the stairs is done yet how oh, much more time well, exercise i understand the problem <laughs> right i just this is the most efficient way to do it and the old this app is the most lazy simply worked. the old <laughs> app worked and the new one not only this not only do they force you to sign in with google or create an app with lg when you're going through like okay you uh, you know the terms of service do you like we talked about one of the boxes here is let LG spam you. I mean, it didn't say that. It said, it said let LG robo call you and put in your phone number. It's like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> who's, I, who's signing up for this? I the, the the idea that you absolutely have to have this thing that that people have done for 60 years. You, you have to have it on the phone because you don't want to walk up and down stairs is probably the most 2020 thing I've heard today. Maybe it just worked though. And no, it's not I, the brown stains that are the problem. What, you know what, I, it's the blood I stains. Get, I, I, I I tell you what, if <laughs> if I were if I were dumb enough to buy this crap that has a, a, an app on it and 
admittedly at some point it's not dumbness it's it's you know for example you can't buy a tv anymore that doesn't have some kind of smart netflix integration so it it, i understand that at some point that becomes inevitable that but if if i can get away if i can get my clothes clean without installing a goddamn app then i am perfectly happy with it Wake me up and and go ahead and rant on this story when they decide for cost saving measures to take all the buttons off the front because you don't need them because you got the app and you can just start a cycle from your phone. Then I will sit here and rant right alongside you. What's well, that's with, coming with the app? You can actually create your own cycle. And I want to know who's doing that, too. If anybody has one of these washers and it's like, no, no, I want it to do this for X amount of minutes and then this. I mean, what's. uh What's the reasoning? What's the uh, what's the oh, point it, behind that? What, I put your clothes in, put the goo in the side and make <laughs> them clean. What? Why? Why does this have to be complicated? I want to not stink. That is really my <laughs> criteria. You know, if if I really wanted to put this much effort into getting clean clothes, why the hell do I have a washing machine? Why don't I just go get a ro- wash basin with a washboard and a wringer and scrub it myself? I mean, that sounds like a lot of work, too. But no, now we've decided that the work is trying to figure out what custom cycle we want. I don't want a fucking custom cycle. I want a put clothes here, push clean button, walk away would now be a bad time to rant on the fact that the clothes don't just transfer from the washer to the dryer automatically without human. Well, there's a feature I want. <laughs> Does the app do that? No, that would be useful. <laughs> I think that would be awesome. You know, like the top of the things both open up because they're side by side and one just kind of like Michael Jordan's it into the next, you know, tosses the thing up and in. That would be awesome. Uh, up and in. I mean, you, you, you know, gravity will do that if you just put a slide in and put the dryer underneath. Yeah, but they're side by side. The front oh, loaders. Well, <laughs> I, I don't know if you're redesigning. The, if you're putting We're a just, fucking app in here, you can redesign it too. Okay, so okay, so the washer. You're okay. You're right. The washing machine goes up top, and then it just has like a trap door that opens up and drops sure, it right into not? the dryer. I like that idea. I yeah, like that. And, and there's nothing that could possibly go wrong, no. especially when somebody gets into your Wi-Fi and hacks your fucking app, so that now it's throwing clothes across the thing and. and starting you know setting your washer onto ultra heat with nothing but dryer sheets in it and suddenly your entire house is on fire hey what could go wrong with an app carolyn blaney of the hog story podcast asked if you actually do the laundry no not if i can avoid it see i do i play with i do the however i do the dishes in my i know uh, dame bemrose does the laundry i do the dishes it's probably because and you, you know do what the my dishwasher once. doesn't have a goddamn app either mine doesn't either i need one no you don't I want to. I want everything. You really everything. even need a dishwasher? No, I mean, you can do that shit manually. Yeah, you can. It's it's very fulfilling. And I will say, the only feature that is useful at all with the washer and dryer apps are to let you know when the cycle is done. I, there's nothing else that I've ever figured yeah, mine out. Mine makes the most loud, obnoxious noise. You I, could. You don't need an app. What you need is a fucking microphone and a speaker. Or yes. Run some doorbell cable or like, a dog. Seriously. Uh, here here's here's a, a hacker pro tip crack open whatever panel has that buzzer behind it find the electric leads because you know the buzzer isn't like mechanically making noise no, it you know, is because it's, it's actually it's actually a speaker because it goes it's a little sound it's a little song but speakers are driven by electricity yes, find that's the leads true. for that that's find true. the leads for that get yourself a, a length of doorbell cable 
connect the leads to that and move the speaker downstairs to your uh, studio. That's a good idea. I'll be, let me go do that. I'll be right back. Okay. I, I'll wait. That would be a great sound just to keep going off in the background too while doing a podcast. But you know, when you talk about Wi-Fi being hijacked, did you see the Firefox on Android bug? Did you see the story I, on this? I did. And I don't remember what the story was because it confirmed all my preconceived notions about apps being bad. Yeah. Cause if you have Firefox running on your phone, any device on the same Wi-Fi network can get onto your phone. You can open up web app. They can open up any web page. Um, this was a bad one. And this is where, again, apps come in as the bad guy because they usually are. And it said, you know, if you're running this, oh. make sure it's updated because ESET security researcher Lucas Stefanko tweeted an alert demonstrating the exploitation of a recently disclosed high risk remote command execution vulnerability that affects the Firefox app. Um, it's It's just really bad stuff. If you have Firefox running on your phone, other devices can access your phone. That's, I mean, that's the long it, story it, making it short. Okay. Okay. You want it even shorter? Yeah. If you have a phone, other devices can access your phone. Done. Yes. But this has made it even easier because the target simply has to have the Firefox app running. They do not need to access any malicious websites or click on any malicious links. No attacker in the middle or malicious app installation is required. They can simply be sipping their coffee in the cafe and their device will start launching application yeah. URLs under the attacker's control. Yay! Excuse, excuse me a moment where while I go uh, you know, unlock my phone so I can shut down all the apps that are running. Yes. I mean, really? And that's that's one thing. I mean, I don't know. I have a little bit of OCD when it comes to running apps on my phone. I don't know why, but when I'm done with an app, I make sure that I close it. Now, if I pick up the wife's phone or one of my parents' phones, there's usually like 14 different apps. Running. Oh my gosh. You ever, you ever accidentally, you like you're using someone else's phone and you accidentally hit the, the show me all the apps button. And suddenly the UI is, uh-huh. yeah, you're like, Oh my God, no. Why the humanity? Well, and now we understand why modern phones need 16 gigabytes of Ram. Right. Cause somebody has 8,000 tabs open at the same time. Well, no, that's why I need 16 gigabytes of Ram for my browser and my desktop. Yes. Not on your phone, though. No, I don't run tabs on my phone. It turns out cell phones aren't secure, but, you know, let's use them. Well, I did. You know, in theory, they can be just as secure as as a desktop uh, with a a couple of differences. One is the, you know, every single radio that you have is an access point is is a, a security surface that, you know, the more security basics 101. The more surface, the more attack surface you have, the more likely there is that you're vulnerable. Um, and on on a desktop, you've generally got your network and programs you install, and not a lot else. And the phone has you know seven different networks that at any given time are all you know you've got your Wi-Fi, you've got your Bluetooth, you've got your uh, you know uh, near field communication, you've got your uh, you know the the cell radio. Um, all of these things are places where, you know, attack surface yes. combined with um, cell phones are significantly less open than desktop operating systems. There's a lot of, of black box code in there, especially when you start getting these, you know, we, we talked about a few episodes ago, the, 
the one-off chips like the the one for the fingerprint scanner right where the there the chip is literally a black box where you just says you know you are supposed to put data in this end and this data comes out the other end but nobody's ever really analyzed whether that's has exploits um yeah it, cell phones are it's a different culture and software developers you know the 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 curse of windows has always been and and this is the the lament of windows developers for as long as longer than i was a windows developer the the old timers that were there beforehand always complained that windows is far too open and anybody can go in and put anything on the system and it means that when you get a bug report there's just so many variables that it is incredibly difficult to be sure that there's no bugs and from a programming perspective um it it reduced you know i told you very early on in the show about the test matrix right the idea that every single time you have an on off switch it actually doubles the total number of states you have to test for in order to fully test your system and for anything but the most trivial programs you can't fully test the system and windows has so many test states that the it may as well be infinite and if you're a coder and you want to be able to get a program out in a reasonable time frame without allocating months and months of testing afterward, um, you have to limit the number of configurations your device can be in. And that is one of the main reasons why phones are a closed ecosystem that you, uh, they, they, the programmers intentionally try to limit the number of states they can be. Well, the problem is that the act of closing it doesn't, because it's still a general purpose CPU that uses RAM and executes code, it doesn't actually limit the number of states it can be in. It limits the number of states it can be in as long as none of your assumptions have been violated about the inputs and outputs of the device. And the moment that there's one vulnerability, then all bets are off and it's a general purpose computing platform, but not for you. Well, and it's a cascading thing. Cause I'm, I'm curious, like how many devices I'm on a, the Dell desktop. It's three years old. The one that's crashing with the latest video drivers for the video card that came with the system. I wonder how many people are having that same problem. I looked, I haven't really found anybody else bitching about it online. I would think a lot of people go to PayPal, but it may be something else installed on the system is causing that issue. And there's only a very small amount of people having that same problem. So finding these issues is a real pain in the ass. I get it for software developers. It's not an easy thing. When it comes to phones, though, Fletcher has a question for you. Do you have a preferred browser to use on the phone? Is obviously Firefox is maybe out here. I've been using Brave. Yes. I I use my desktop browser. Do you never use a browser on a phone? You have nothing. Not, not if I can avoid it. If you have to, is there one better than the other, or they're all pretty much um, crap? Are Are you saying which one do I prefer at this moment? Because that yes. can be changing. Are you asking which one I use? Yes, right now. It's it's Firefox Mobile. <laughs> well, except for that whole your device. Well, okay, they've they've patched that, so it's fine now. Don't worry about oh. it. Good, good. So, <laughs> so I was probably hacked in the past, right? Actually, this is one of the reasons, by the way, that I am uh, compulsive about shutting my Wi-Fi off before I go out into the world. Yeah, well, see, I go because, the other way. Yeah. I turn mobile off. I turn mobile data. Well, okay, so. Wi-Fi access points. Everybody has one. Every time you walk through a building, they've got one. They're trying to connect to your phone. There's been plenty of exploits through Wi-Fi. Um, 
the sell access points, the number of companies trying to screw you are limited. Yes. And more importantly, you've already got a contract with at least one of them where they're legally allowed to screw you in any way. And if your phone is connecting, then you're all the damage is done. You're already exploited by your mobile carrier, but I don't need to be exploited by my mobile carrier and by the local gap as I walk by it in on my way to the ice cream shop in the mall or somewhere. See, now, if you're running the Wi-Fi, Radix and I are totally different. Radix has unlimited data, so he's running his mobile data all the time, keeps Wi-Fi off. I go the other way. We're paying per the gig for four phones, so I keep the cell off all the time, run Wi-Fi all the time. But leaving Wi-Fi on, running a VPN all the time, does that help keep the phone more secure, or does that just... It helps. Um, I mean, it, it, it helps in that you're... The data that you intentionally send isn't going to be compromised. Um, the the data that you you know you're you're not going to you're it it helps with privacy. Uh, a VPN will help your uh, you know private communication stay private. It will help to make sure that people aren't intercepting the data that you intend to send. Uh, it does absolutely nothing if there's an exploit in the Wi-Fi where, for example, a random access point can now connect to your phone and launch your browser right they're um, still seeing then, your mac then then congratulations your browser is now downloading malware on its own over a secure vpn instead of the public internet well it's much safer to get malware over a secure vpn yes because that that means that you're getting the the proper malware and not <laughs> you're not risking a man in the middle attack where somebody might intercept the malware and inject malware into it. Always check the CRC for the malware to make sure you're getting only the finest malware for your device. Only take only download authentic Cerberus <laughs> malware. Yes, if you're gonna well, if you're gonna download any, you may as well let Cerberus turn your devices into a botnet. To uh, I was gonna say world domination, but it's probably botnet, more no. Just you don't uh, do botnet. You know what? No, you know what a Cerberus malware would do? Turn it off would your break device. Your fucking phone, because that is <laughs> that is a service I can provide. Your device like, will no longer I'm work. making you 100% more secure on this device. But then they would just go run and buy another device. Yes, but th- then there's at least, I- I'm putting a financial cost on continuing to use this piece of crap. Well, yeah, yeah you got a point. And the people are so reliant upon them now, they take them with them everywhere they go. I know you don't. But these devices have become so ingrained. And there are so many people now that they're not using even uh, laptops anymore. Desktops, certainly not. I mean, I wish I, I have to look up the stats on well, this. I'm sure it exists somewhere were on their Desktops were on their way out for a long time. 2020 has kind of brought them back into vogue. Yeah. After, you know, how, how many Zoom calls on your fucking phone <laughs> do you sit there? Do you have to sit through until you finally go, you know, I could use a screen on my desk. Yes. Yeah, or when your kids are doing their schoolwork, it's a little harder yeah. to do that on a phone or on a tablet. So you're you're right. 2020 may do some weird things to desktop sales. You know what else did a weird thing too? I don't know if we have, I don't think we ever mentioned this on the show. I saw this a couple of weeks ago. Guitar sales through the roof in 2020. It was an oddity. Think, is that is that good for the guitar putting it through the roof? Yes, I think so. Because then you have to buy another one. But it's a it's well, an no, instrument. You just have to take it to Fletcher. Well, that's true. He, Fletcher can fix anything if you can get it down to Texas. But the guitar has been dying. I mean, especially because all these kids just want to make the music. 
They want to get their laptop. They want to open it up. They want to get garage band like Carolyn Blaney does all music for Hog Story. And there's a lot of people who consider themselves musicians because they open up a thing like garage band and put a few things together. And they're like, okay, this is making music where nobody's doing. Well, almost nobody was doing organic music with actual instruments, although Carolyn plays the bongos live. So that's always good. But these organic instruments had been really dropping in sales, guitars, especially before the pandemic. And it seems like for some reason, this whole pandemic has caught. I mean, it, there was a guy that was doing online like classes on YouTube and like uh, I think five times they said between like February and March and like July, the traffic to his thing was up like by fivefold. I mean, it was just a huge from like a couple hundred thousand to over a million people that were consuming the content and fenders on, you know, Gibson, all these companies are like, yeah, we're on pace for a record year with guitar sales. So I think that's a positive thing that people yeah, are sitting I got nothing home. to complain about with this story, which makes it boring. We should move on. <laughs> You're like, I hate music. I, I hate people that know well, how to no, play their I, instrument. I, I mean, I, I mean, more people playing once you account for Sturgeon's law means proportionally more people making good music. Yes. You know, a lot more people making shitty music and therefore you need to be able to curate best method for curating is word of mouth. But, um, yeah, I, I totally support more people making music because it means there's more music out there and, you know, one between one and 10% of that music is good. And I totally support that. And guitars are not an easier instrument to pick up though. So we'll see how the people go with buying the guitar. Are they, I, I guess I've never tried. Are they heavy? Are Some they, are. Yeah. I mean, what, what makes them difficult to pick up? Well, do you play them? It's hard. Oh, not you said they were difficult to pick up. Yeah, the skill. People pick up skills. Haven't you ever picked I up say, a skill? I, I can pick it up, and I bet I can even drop it faster. You just take it by the neck, Sir Matthew says. That's just like his usual dates. I don't know what's going on with Sir Matthew. He was a no, podcaster. No, I've, I've, I've definitely been with women like that. <laughs> okay. And uh, some of those, maybe uh, they uh, we should move on. Needed to go to the hospital before the allegations start coming. Yeah, and uh, we've had we have our first confirmed death due to a ransomware attack. This was on a university hospital in Dusseldorf, <laughs> and a woman who was forced to be sent to another hospital twenty miles away because the IT system of the hospital that she should have gone to had been compromised due to an attack, malware attack. And she died. Didn't make it. Who is confirming these? Who who is who who's compiling these stats? I'm highly skeptical that this is the first confirmed death from a man. No, it seems any dude named Ben out there knows that lives depend on what we do. But the only difference is that when we do it right, nobody knows. That's true. But I mean, this is the first time that I guess it's been reported. We can say that. I mean, I'm I'm with you. I don't necessarily believe this was the first time it's happened because i do believe that most hospitals especially here in the litigious united states would not want this information to get out if if possible because that would cause all sorts of panic and we all know from president trump you don't want people to be panicking because that just makes the situation worse but it's an interesting thing that the this particular attack it seems that the folks that did it we're trying to hit a university and I don't know how they got the wrong system. I really don't know how this, you know, maybe really bad hackers. I mean, it goes to figure you, maybe you can't trust hackers to be the best at what they do. 
but good enough, well, I, I guess, mean, to get in the university system. hospital. Both are created to try to serve society. And then when they fuck up, it destroys minds. So, yes. But once these folks realized what they did, once I guess, you know, the hospital responded to them with, uh, yeah, we're a hospital. They went, oh, shit. And they removed all the malware. But it was too late, unfortunately, for uh, for the woman that did not get the care that she should have gotten. And uh, like I said, I doubt this is the first time it's ever happened, but this is something that now must be considered when you're talking about cybersecurity. This is very real consequences when when you're going out and performing a denial of service attack on some kind of system. You you have to consider that maybe the service will be denied. And I mean, I I I hate to to tell you this, but a lot of the people who are doing this are criminals really in general when when you commit crimes it's not usually because you have a surfeit of of ethics and morality and a lot of times they they might even think about oh this could hurt somebody and a lot of them don't care well the interesting thing is this is probably the first this is the first it won't be the last well they are treating it as a murder investigation now so the interesting thing will be if they do figure out and catch to the hacker where is this this was in uh, Germany. Okay. So if they do figure out who did this, this could be the very first most interesting murder case via DDoS or whatever. You know, I encryption. believe that they could do that. Yeah. I, 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 there are a lot of places in the world where they'd be like, well, you know, we, we don't know. And it would require work to uh, figure out who did this. So eh, let's just knock off and, you know, set up another Patsy to shoot up a school or something. But in Germany, I actually believe they would do that. Yeah. And rightfully so. I mean, that's you, you caused the, the damage. You know, you can't have this. This is kind of like a really leftist thing to be like, oh, well, they didn't mean to like, oh, they stole the loaf of bread, but, you know, they're poor. So we're going to let them out. Oh, they they looted uh, the Gucci store. Well, you know, they're poor. So we won't we won't prosecute. No, I mean, it turns out when people don't have any kind of consequence for their actions, they do bad shit. Is it is that's it? Hard yeah, I mean, is that the hard take? Should people not know this? Oh no, I was I was readjusting a cat. Oh well, say hello to the cats. I'm seeing a lot of pictures of them lately on the face bag. I th- okay. Do you understand where you failed here? Yes, you, the, following your wife on Facebook. <laughs> no, no, it was before that. Oh, it, it, being on it Facebook. Part, yes. Now, That's- I mean, you could block her Facebook access. Wait, I don't know. You may not be able to. She's got some technical chops too. So technically, she's the one who runs the network around here. And if if I because uh, she goes through the pie hole, which means I could block a lot of things, but at the same time, uh, she knows how to just rerun the DNS to go around it. Yes, she's too damn smart. Damn women yeah, she, knowing what they're doing. I mean, how dare they? I, I mean, she does work for a tech company. <laughs> she does do uh, network uh, troubleshooting as kind of her day job. So um, I, I probably know more about programming than she does, but uh, network management, I don't know. Yeah, and she could block you from other things. So let's see. Uh, Twitch. You use Twitch? No. Good. Uh, the only person I actually know th- who uses Twitch that I would even go do this is Nick the Rat. Yeah, Nick. Yeah. Uh, but I saw this pop up. Uh, I, I saw it come across Slashdot and then Soylent News, um, uh, which I think Soylent News is just the new Slashdot, the, the one that's relevant. But um, Twitch is now pushing ads midstream. 
Oh, that's I mean, YouTube's doing that, too, which they've been doing for a while. But that is just absolutely infuriating. It, it and you know, it is. And it would be if if I were watching a stream, I guarantee, you know, I, I stopped watching network TV for precisely that reason, because I I'm like, if if I'm into this show, I don't want you fucking cutting the show off and then showing me a toilet paper commercial or something that it completely breaks immersion in whatever I'm watching. And it feels like the the network TV experience is now coming to Twitch. And uh, um, I, I was just going to uh, look, read you some quotes from uh, people who were uh, losing their freaking minds over this. Um, let's see. Uh, if if streamers don't break and push the show ads button in the middle of the stream, Twitch now will. Oh, this isn't a quote, but. Uh, Twitch is muting the channel and playing an ad over the content. So the the way this actually works is is if you are streaming, you can every I don't know twenty minutes, half hour, however long, however often it is, you can apparently push a button that says take a three minute break and it'll show ads. And I guess that's great for streamers who want to do bathroom breaks or something. But if streamers don't push that soon enough, then uh, Twitch will just break in now and. Uh, this has not apparently gone out to everybody yet, but they're they're doing a trial. And um, let's see. Here we go. Uh, that's the wrong article. You know what? I'm not reading you any quotes. Hey, you having one of those article. not so fresh days. You want to get in on the dark sewer douche. So that would happen. You would just get an ad okay. being Anyways. read over your content. I, I yeah. And I we're not really over unfortunately, your, content. your content would be gone. Well, yeah, that's I mean, if, if you're doing video. Then your video shows up on the tiny in picture in picture. So I guess you can still sign. But if, <laughs> if it's audio only, then those three minutes of your content are gone. Yes. And, I, you know, because you're muted while it plays the, the, the audio of the ad. You see, so now um, this is what I would be doing videos. I'd be like, now, here's the most important thing I'm going to tell you today and then go to the ad. <laughs> <laughs> to piss them off. Like what? I, unfortunately, I can't get a really good rant on this simply because I saw this coming a mile away and it was the entire reason why I still shy away from corporate media. It was the reason I dropped cable probably close to 20 years ago. I was a cord cutter before it was cool. Yes, I yes, I am the hipster of cord cutters. You you may all emulate me now. Um, but it, I mean, it, it, the only surprise I have is that it took this long. Um, the, the people who especially the people who abandoned YouTube because of ads and went to Twitch, you know, like Twitch is, is definitely a, a destination for a lot of people. There's, there's a lot of folks who are, uh, you know, especially if you're just, you, you want to watch games on for a long time, it, it was a very common thing to just flip channel flip on Twitch and just bounce between different streamers. And you watch somebody play a game and if the game is an interesting, you bounce to another and bounce to another one. And Twitch started uh, two years ago playing uh, pre-roll ads on every stream, which oh. pretty much killed channel flipping. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, completely. So now you, you will pick a stream and you stick with it, which, you know, completely changed how you do it. It's, I don't know. I, I never got into Twitch, and I guess the reason is that uh, as as an old school, you know, I came up with uh, my my first game console was an Atari twenty six hundred. Same here. Um, well, no, actually, I had a Pong machine, but otherwise, yes. Uh, and and I remember my first upgrade to the the ninety six hundred was fucking amazing. But uh, 
I didn't have Pong. I, I wrote Pong, I, you know, a Pong clone back in the day in, in basic, but um, I guess Twitch, I, I know that now it's general purpose television and especially now that it's emulating the cable model where it's general purpose television, where they interrupt the content in order to show ads. But it started out as, as a way to watch game people play games. And I, it, does that appeal? Because I'd rather just play the game if I want to watch the game. Yeah, it never has to me, although I'm not a big, big video game guy. Now, people who want to see what a game is like, this is the best advertising ever. If you're like, hey, I want to check out whatever the new game is. Oh, yeah, it's fantastic. And, and a lot of game developers realize that. In fact, it was well, I mean, it was uh, uh, a pretty big scandal on Twitch uh, five years ago when Nintendo started uh, for, for the Nintendo first party content like Zelda and Mario. Nintendo started uh, DMCAing some of the Twitch videos, trying to take it down. People are like, "Are you insane? This is the best uh, advertising for your game." And there's a calculation to be made, by the way, if you're the person who put out the game, because if the game is shit, people will realize it's shit by watching, and then they won't buy the game. So if you've written a shit game, you absolutely want to take down all the videos of people playing because you want to dupe people into buying it. If it's a good game, though, other people should be wanting to play it. Right. That's, I guess that's why I don't get Twitch. You know, on Unless the one hand, it's so great bad, advertising it's good. for it's great advertising for your game, but at the same time, are are there people out there who are like, I I just want to watch someone else play this. I don't really want to bother myself. I think, like you said, a lot of people put this stuff on in the background. If you have somebody like, I'm assuming, even if I had I had no interest in whatever game that you and your brother Tony were playing, listening in on the conversation while the game was playing in the background, probably be entertaining. And I think that's what Twitch has kind of turned into. But with any of these video services, I get it. I mean, you look at Joe Rogan's show on YouTube. They could be three hours long or more, and they're not breaking in with videos. So that's a lot of bandwidth they're pushing just to get you a couple if you're getting pre-roll, which you don't if you use all the ad blockers and stuff like that. So that's a lot of video they're pushing without ads. So I understand the companies who aren't Google who maybe really need the money and maybe Twitch is one of those where they're like, we need to figure Twitch, out some way to play you know the ads. That Twitch is owned by Amazon. No, well, then they don't need money, the money is the farthest thing from there. <laughs> they just want more money. Yes. Wanting money. That's a totally different thing. Needing money. No, not Amazon. They're they're doing pretty well. I mean, there's the story now. Do you see Joe Rogan is there's bad stuff with spotify the the troops are revolting uh, another against amazon the CEO. property if i yeah. recall well this is like, now, is spotify owned by amazon or am i just projecting from the future you may be i'm not sure who owns spotify but no matter what their ceo came out and said you know hey we're rogan's not being squashed these episodes you know all this the hubbub that went along when his service moved over there now the employees don't like that. The employees are demanding the ability to go through, fact check the stuff he's saying, because everybody went apeshit because he dared to say people were setting some of these forest fires. And they are. We all know yeah. they are. Well, and, and somebody got to Joe, which uh, wor it worries me that this might be a, a new thing for the, the new Spotify version of Joe Rogan, because did you see? how hard he walked that back when he put out an apology for that line. Yes. And he shouldn't because it's happening. No. Uh, whether it's happening or not standing up there and 
going directly against what you said it, that hard is going to make everybody think that you have no idea what you're talking about. And it, it, Joe damaged his brand with that walk back, walking back that painfully. I, I mean, it it looked like you you could almost see if the camera panned down some corporate asshole <laughs> holding his balls. Yeah. And that's exactly what the employees of Spotify want, because they want the ability like they're doing to Donald Trump and other conservatives, mainly on things like Twitter, where they want the ability to go through the Rogan episodes before they're even released. And if he says something like this, they want to be able to pop up something on the screen or the audio version, I'm sure interrupt. Well, what Joe just said there was fact checked falls. And well, if if I was Joe, I'd never put up with that kind of bullshit. I would agree, but he took the money, so I don't know what sure. the ability he has, except yeah, and, maybe and to walk away. He can take the money and leave Spotify with a hundred million dollar hole. Yes, I, I mean, you know, Joe still has a lot of power here because he's the one that is has the audience. If Joe leaves, the people are not going to stay on Spotify just for that. Yes, I mean, these, they have other reasons, but these little snowflakes that work for Spotify. It's just sad to watch this, that you can't release content without, well, you know, we, maybe we want to here's, just totally snip that or we want to. Nah, here, here's a question. Yeah. Are, are companies still beholden to shareholders in 2020? They should be. Do, do they, do they expect that they should still be trying to make money? Because there's a lot of employees of a lot of very woke companies who are, damaging their brand not necessarily with everybody because there are certainly people out there for whom that kind of virtue signaling is appealing but for all of the people like me where your brand value drops by 40 percent the moment that you put a black square and say lives matter on your screen when all i want to do is watch a fucking basketball game your brand value is dropping and your stock price should be dropping. And somewhere along the line, if if the CEO isn't one of the woke SJW retards, they need to look at their company and go, OK, our company is filled with woke SJW retards who are not adding value to the brand because instead of producing useful content and software, they are instead just producing strife and virtue signaling and making it harder to put out programs and making it harder to put out products and are managing to piss off the half of the country who is not completely on board with this leftist crap. Yes. And they're making it all public. Yeah. And they're doing it all in public. They are throwing the the sausage making out into the world. How is this? Shareholders in and mass should be in revolt. Every single company that puts virtue signaling ahead of making money and, and making a good product, their stock should be dropping. And I think that it is, it is pure shock right now, you know, combination of, of a lot of investors are woke and are like, yeah, black lives matter. And a lot of people are completely taken in by this, but at, at some point there will be a reckoning in the stock market and every single company that has decided to abandon making money and instead go for woke are going to face massive, massive shareholder lawsuits saying you cost me money because I own stock in your company and you're not making money. Well, yeah, you and, wonder, and, 
what would all of these employees at Spotify say if the CEO came back to him and like, well, okay, you know what? You're right. We're going to let you have this control over the Joe Rogan show, but that's probably going to lose 80% of his audience. So I need each of you to take an 80% pay cut. Is that cool? A lot more than that. Probably. And that's the thing. Every CEO worth their salt has a, in fact, if it is a publicly traded company, they have a legal and fiscal responsibility to make sure that you don't do anything that harms the stock, that you, your company can be sued into oblivion by its shareholders if you ruin the stock like this, which means that CEOs are legally beholden to fire all of these SJW retards who decide that they want to harm the brand by going out and, and doing things that aren't making money. Well, when they talk about what Joe Rogan said in the headlines I saw in places like CNN was Joe Rogan made dangerous accusations like, no, he didn't. Dangerous to whom? <laughs> yeah, well, that's the question, right? It's like this is uh, this is going on. And even if there's no record of people being arrested, there are videos. There was one I saw the other day of a woman who had a guy down on the ground because he was trying to start fires and she caught him. So I don't know if that guy was arrested or not, but there's no question that there's arsons going on. There's no well, there's, question. There's no shortage to evidence. But if yes. you put aside the fact that it completely damages the left's narrative, right. that Antifa isn't people. Uh, <laughs> what what else is it damaging? What uh, other That's than it. other than changing? You know, who who does it hurt that that people are out there? Even if it's false, what harm could possibly justify this kind of authoritarian invasion into civil rights? Well, uh, Ryan Bemrose, misinformation is one of the most dangerous things that we face here in 2020. Don't you know? But but, but only misinformation come with one bent. Well, yeah. The, the, prob- the problem is that that people make mistakes. This, but every time that you dis- that that somebody decides to go censor something, if if you're doing this as a matter of policy, somewhere along the line, you know, e- even if you are completely on board with the misinformation narrative, you have to believe that that the people doing the censoring are completely infallible or you have to accept that there will be real information censored and fake information let out and the damage is done then yeah well you have to worry with places like facebook and twitter and all these all down the line all the social media where it's like well what these doctors say is okay but what these doctors say no that's dangerous we have to we have to squash that well, it's censoring information like this doesn't stand up to even the most rudimentary risk benefit analysis. No, but it's being done in the name of woke. Yeah, I, 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 at some point, hopefully the, the, you know, crusades come and the woke religion gets sent back to Jerusalem or wherever the fuck they're from. I don't Silicon know. Valley. I mean, Santa it would be Cruz, nice. I don't know. It would be nice to think so, but uh, I'm not seeing it lose any traction, although maybe that's just because we're looking in the wrong place. But once this election happens, I mean, did you see the governor of Michigan? Well, yeah, we're going to we're, we're going to extend. We're going to accept all ballots that come in up to two weeks after the election night. It's like, what? Yeah, I've, I've got a I've Have got you? a story from Pennsylvania. That's almost the same thing. Well, hit me with a story <laughs> from Pennsylvania. Uh, I I was going to say, though, the, the one one, you know, I am seeing the oracle of wokeness walk back a little bit and one example for example is the 
uh, the BLM Black Lives Matter website um, somewhere in the last week or so just quietly lost all of its information about it, uh, about openly promoting Marxism, for example. Really? Yeah. Funny that. Huh. No, no, no big announcements or press releases saying uh, we're not Marxists anymore. No, they just decided that they're not going to advertise that anymore. Well, because it's bad for the brand. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, it is. And and some people are starting to realize that, you know, even even if we're managing to dupe everybody with this whole critical race thing, um, a lot of people are, are having trouble making the leap from there to full communism. Who knew? Well, yeah, because people actually like owning their stuff. So the Pennsylvania Supreme Court uh, made a couple of decisions in the last week. Uh, The most recent one was that they have blocked the Green Party from the ballot, which clears a lawsuit and allow, you know, the the article that I read, which was from the Washington Post, uh, hailed it entirely as a good thing. Um, It it entirely because it allows the Pennsylvania uh, State Department to or you know voter whatever to go and start printing ballots and and it clears the bureaucratic hurdles so that the ballots can be mailed out on time and nothing to do with the idea that the Green Party might siphon off votes from the Democrats which of course is what the reason why Wapo thinks that that this is entirely a righteous but well yeah like the, taking Kanye off the reason given for taking the Green Party off the ballot is. Because they didn't turn the paperwork in in person, they mailed it. <laughs> also, mailing it in is no good, according to so the mailing Wapo? is no good. Oh, uh, you 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 need to uh, you obviously respect proper social distancing, but you have to do you you have to turn in your paperwork in person if you're a third party or you'll be thrown out. But the voters, of course, don't have to be in person or or be involved at all because one of the other things that the court uh decided to permit was uh um they allowed let's see they had a decision to allow voters to turn in ballot ballots via dropbox in addition to the postal service um that i I can see that um they allowed voters to um uh, return ballots up to three days after election day the lawsuit the there was people saying that the ballot had to be returned by election day or it couldn't be counted so the Pennsylvania Supreme Court has taken it upon themselves to move election day back by three days, apparently, because <laughs> uh, that's kind of what they just did is they said they said, yeah, election day is now going to be Friday and not Tuesday. Um, they also uh, have made a decision to disallow poll watchers to be stationed in the counties in any county where they do not live, which may the in this case, the Pennsylvania Republicans wanted to station watchers at uh some of those precincts in say pennsylvania where in the 2016 election they had returns that were 100 percent democrat and now they want people watching just to see if there's any shenanigans going on and the pennsylvania supreme court said if you don't live in the district you can't watch people turn in the their ballots this sounds like there's a lot of fuckery afoot you think uh-huh. uh now the supreme court did deny a request from the democrats that third parties be permitted to collect and return ballots for the voters nothing can go wrong there yeah nothing could go wrong if that happened but um yeah so this is the i i only brought this up it was a a series of stories that popped out of the pennsylvania supreme court in the last week or so um which uh 
I mean, this is an example of the voter shenanigans that we've been predicting since we had DC girl on. Yeah. And I can't believe that the people doing this stuff don't understand what's going to happen, especially things like, oh, yeah, we're going to take ballots up to two weeks after election night. It's like, well, election night, even when the technology sucked, everybody knew who won by the next day, (laughs) even for close elections. This. No, no, we'll we'll just collect ballots for two weeks, as you, the stories you've told in the past, where it's like, yeah. oh, do we have enough votes yet? No, no. Oh, we found more ballots. Yeah. Do we get enough Th- votes? That's that's exactly what they're looking for. Is is this is this is another opportunity for if you need to put your thumb on the scale of the election and fudge it just a little bit, then hey, we've got at least two weeks before we know whether or not we need to manufacture more votes. You know, one of the reasons why. The federal elections are uh, the the state results are are all conducted in the same day is so that you don't have people going out and saying, well, the vote turned out this way and therefore our strategy has changed here and we need to do this over here and we need to coerce some voters and we need to go out to the cemeteries and get IDs for more dead voters. And uh, yeah, it, it's a recipe for fraud. Yeah. And uh, now that Ruth Bader Ginsburg Even- is gone. Even Washington, which has has been doing mail in voting for quite a while and is one of the places touted as successful voting. If if your ballot isn't postmarked by Election Day, it doesn't count, period. As well, it should not. But now I, I personally really like the idea it should be received by Election Day because, you know, screw those procrastinators. But at least postmark gives you some kind of delay. Well. And this concept that you can't go vote, I don't get it. I do not understand why people can't no, go. The, the only reason you should ever be showing up at the polling place in person is if you're a third party who wants to be on the ballot. The intriguing thing, of course, now there's two different theories with the Ruth Bader Ginsburg passing away as far as filling that vacancy on the Supreme Court. and. It was an interesting take on No Agenda yesterday on whether or not it's actually a good thing for the Republicans to fill it quick or not, even for the Republicans. But uh, the somebody already put together oh, they, an ad. Lots and lots of philosophy about one strategy or another. Yes, because we only have to go back to 2016 with Justice Scalia passing away during the last year of Obama's presidency. You, you mean, I, I still think that. There, there's a lot of question as to whether or not that was a passing away or or an assassination. But I understand that not everybody subscribes to that particular conspiracy theory. Either way, just, just that a, the circumstances were a little sketchy. Yeah, there was a vacancy. But our buddy Sir Seatsitter sent me the video this morning. The uh, RNC, I think it was, already has a two minute video of all of the comments the Democrats made about getting that seat filled quickly. Oh, the hypocrisy is thick. (laughs) Yes. And you know that if Obama had the Senate in 2016, that would have been filled well before the election. Um, And that's because, you know, you can say all you want about propriety and about, oh, well, you know, it's only right. And nobody in Washington, D.C. gives a fuck about what's right. They will talk about what's right when it's politically expedient and helps their side. And then they'll conveniently forget all of those morals and come up with a brand new set of morals or ethics the moment that they see that the politics goes the other way. The tagline was great, though, on the video. It was the 2020 Democrat should listen to 
the 2016 Democrats. <laughs> you know, and it's like, yeah, you're right. Sure the hypocrisy is thick. Yeah, the hypocrisy That's exactly is what it is. And if if you think that you're you're breaking new ground with this revelation that there are hypocrites in politics, I'm I, I'm sorry to report this is not the first example of hypocrisy on the side of a major political party. And I will say there is video of Ruth Bader Ginsburg talking about this in 2016 and that eight is not a good number for the Supreme Court and that seat needs to be filled. Which is why I question, and it looks like somebody posted, and I, I haven't gotten confirmation on this, so I may be totally wrong, but somebody said Trump was questioning this as well. If that was really her dying wish, or if this just is a load of bullshit that the Democrats came up with, because... Well, the only thing, the only thing more thick than the hypocrisy around this whole appointment thing is the bullshit around it. Yes, because she was, I mean, I don't care whether or not you thought her point of view was correct she seemed like a very upstanding person who followed her convictions and she didn't seem wishy-washy so she i i I tend to disagree with a lot of those convictions and i i i have trouble forgiving her for uh being one of the people who claimed that the constitution was a living document is one of the reasons why the scalia assassination bothered me so much was he was pretty much the last originalist on the supreme court and I, I am one of those people who think that, uh, you know, the Constitution, w- w- the way it was written was important enough for these people to fight a war over and that maybe they had some pretty good ideas and were kind of throwing out their ideas. So I disagree with ba- Ginsburg's politics, and I don't really like the way that she bent on the Supreme Court. However, um, if you really pay attention to her life story, she was an amazing person who absolutely held to her convictions and amongst all the hypocrites out there in Washington, DC, she was one of the, I mean, hypocrisy is not a crime that you can add to her list. No. So it seems very weird that there would be such a 180 there at the end of her life. Although I know, I mean, my wife's grandmother and a lady that was like a grandmother to me that we talked about, I think before, um, it was my mom's cousin passed away over the last couple of years, and she was about the same age. She was up in her 80s. And unfortunately, when you watch people going through an illness like this, a lot of times towards the end, you know, they're on morphine, stuff like that. My uh, mom's cousin was seeing things like going up and down the wall. I mean, hallucinating just some of the craziest stuff. So I don't know if you want to take somebody's words in that state of their mind. And I can just imagine it's easy to get, you know, somebody to say anything in that state, like, Oh yeah. Yeah. Grandma Ruth, you don't want president Trump to replace you. Do you? If, if she was that far gone, she should not have been on the Supreme court. If people can retire. And if if she was reaching the point where she was not effective on the Supreme court, which, you know, we talked, I remember talking about this on grumpy old Ben's probably six months ago. When uh, when RBG started to get sick and was absent from hearing the cases on the court. And I was saying then, you know, if if she who cares about the politics of it, if she is not able to do the job and she knows that she's never going to be able to do the job again, then taking up space is a reprehensible thing to do. She need she needs to retire 
And you know what? Forget what politics are going to go on, because no matter when that seat becomes vacant and it will eventually, you're going to die eventually, no matter what. That's inevitable. When the seat becomes vacant, everybody is going to freak out and make a political shit show. It happens every single time. It's inevitable, but it shouldn't be her responsibility anymore. She needed to she needed to take the last you know, 12 months of her life off and enjoy them and, and do what she wanted to do instead of taking up space on the court. Well, and the shit now, show has gotten she worse. Wants, by the way, if, if she really, really wanted to make a political statement, then the right time to retire would have been when Obama could appoint her her successor. Yeah, that's very true. That's very true, because then at least, you know, but when you go back and I saw the stats when she was nominated to the Supreme Court. The vote, I think, was like 97 to three because the senators you know, are the ones that vote on this, that, you know, 97 out of 104. It's like this wasn't always based upon what party the president was. You know, that's the ridiculousness that we're dealing with at this point. This is the partisanship, which has just gotten out of hand that this shouldn't be a case. I mean, as long as you're putting actual real judges who have a case record behind them, I mean. I would understand if the president, you know, Trump came out and said, you know, I want to put Judge Judy on the Supreme Court. And I don't think you I don't think there's really any set qualifications you need to have to be on the Supreme Court. He can come out and say, I think Ryan uh, Bembro should be a Accor- Supreme Court. Justice. According to the Constitution, you have to be you have to be nominated by the president and you have to be confirmed by the Senate. That's it. Those are the those are the response or the qualifications. Yes. So you don't they, actually they, have if, to be a judge. If if Trump. No. You, you, you actually don't. I mean, it's convention. There's been a lot of convention added to the Constitution. But if you're looking for hard, fast rules, the Constitution is still it. And if Trump decided to nominate me to the Supreme Court, um, well, then uh, I'd watch those I, hearings. Well, then, then, yeah, I, I mean, people I've never met before would be coming out and accusing me of rape. But I, yeah, you know, and that and was like, going back to like, the Kavanaugh shut up, thing. Bitch. Shut up, bitch. You were never that good. But uh Ryan Maybe. at grumpyoldbenz.com. Ryan at grumpyoldbenz.com. Like, I've never met you before, and you were never even that interesting to me. Right, right. You know, but that's the intriguing part here. This wasn't always the shit show that it is. This wasn't always, oh, a Democrat put him up, all the Republicans will vote against it, and they'll try to find fault. I mean, isn't there anything left in the political sphere, sphere that can be nonpartisan? I mean, can no. we hope for that? No. No, no. And uh, parties sniping at each other horribly is, is not new. I mean, this this goes all the way back to when, uh, you know, Aaron Burr got shot in a pistol duel over politics. I mean, the, the, the history of politics in general, in the U.S. in particular, has always been divisive politics. Uh, the one thing that I find exceptional, exceptional about the last five years or so is. I feel like what was left of civility is completely out the window and that I will lament. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And I don't know how it gets better at this point, but it would be nice to just be able to go like, okay, here in the concept of liberal judges and conservative judges has always gotten under my skin because if they are actually good at their jobs, it really shouldn't matter what your politics is. It should be. Let's look at the law. And make sure it's followed. The concept that both of these sides now, and it's not it's not just a liberal thing, it's not just a conservative thing. 
the fact that these people based upon their political ideologies will think they're interpreting the law to mean something totally different is also a major breakdown of our system. The fact that you can have a Supreme Court where, you know, four judges think this and four judges think the opposite. It's like, well, that's kind of bizarre. I mean, it, it, it should just be more straight down the line, but I guess that's too much to ask for, too. Well, if you bring party politics in, then um, I, I think that's a failure of a judge. But honestly, the the, the parties in the judiciary that, you know, you, you could call them parties, but there's there's two very opposed schools of thought that that are prevalent amongst the judiciary that are not necessarily dependent on individual political parties, but tend to align at any given point uh, is originalist versus revisionists. And uh, for that, I the revisionism is is basically the idea that the Constitution is a living document that should always be interpreted uh, against the norms and mores of the time period in which the case occurs. And originalism is the Constitution should always be interpreted uh, the way it was intended when it was written. And I have a very strong opinion about which way I fall on that, but that seems to be the real difference in, in terms of judges is, is whether or not we take the rules and we apply today's standards or the standards of 1770 to, to the, the words as written on the page. And that makes sense. It, it makes sense. But this is why Supreme Court justices have a lifetime position is to allegedly keep them free from the political sphere but that's not what goes on anymore that's certainly not what goes on it's a completely based upon political affiliation if you will and i I don't know there's any way to get around that fletcher says we are a loving podcast and then he said living i think we're both i think we're a living and loving podcast here yes if anybody doubts that sir bemrose is a very loving person then (laughs) i have words for you you know, but this will this will be interesting to see exactly what happens because we saw what happened to Justice Kavanaugh. There's no question that Trump, if he's putting up somebody, and I think he will, it's going to be a female. So it's a different ball game, I think, when it's a female justice. I don't know. Can the left go as hard and nasty as they did against Kavanaugh just because yes. it's somebody Trump's putting up there? Do you think that's going to happen yes. or? Yeah, look at what they do to every conservative female or or every conservative black man. They, you know, race traitors or if if you are conservative, then all of your intersectional categories go completely out the window and you are the enemy and they will pull out everything to try to go after you. Yes, that, that will happen. And when Supreme Court justices pass away, do we have to replace them now with somebody of their same gender and skin tone? I imagine that there's a lot of woke people who think so. Actually, no, that I, I'm, I'm not sure people on either side say that should be a rule because <laughs> uh, the, the, the rational people will say we need to replace them with somebody who's qualified to do the job on the court. Right. And the irrational people and the woke people especially will say, no, we should always replace them with a black lesbian. Right. So that way it's fair. Fairness. Yes. Yes, we we need to replace them with somebody from the oppressed class who is so oppressed that they they have the privilege of being able to scream out on an airplane and saying that you can't take off because I need to go 
take a growler in the <laughs> airplane bathroom. I'm a queen. That that woman yes. was hilarious, but that the mentality is not so hilarious. So I've got one more text story from the I told you so department. Okay. Um, there is uh, a commission in Great Britain called the Dis- Distribution Connection and Use of System Agreement, the DCUSA, uh, who is in charge of uh, it- it's the the captured regulatory agency in charge of electric power utilities. Um, they have uh, identified a problem in Great Britain and have pro- made a proposal uh, for a solution to this problem. Uh, the problem is uh, electricity networks in Great Britain were not designed to accommodate the significant additional demand that certain consumer devices such as electric vehicles present. Ooh. And what they are proposing is that the government mandates smart meters on everybody's house. Uh, these smart meters, you would have to uh, have some kind of a, a pre- presumably an account and an app because that's how things work. Um, but the important thing about the smart meter is that it is smart enough to know when the person who lives there should not be telling it what to do. And the problem that they are encountering is that when people come home from work now, you know, now that after years and years of, uh, of greenies environmentalists saying that uh, internal combustion engines are destroying the world and we all have to move to electric cars because that's the future and touting all the benefits of electric cars and how you're not going to use emissions and how electricity is cheap and you just plug it in overnight and then you're so now people have bought electric cars people drive their cars home from work plug it in in the evening to the grid the same time of day when everybody <laughs> is making dinner watching TV has all the lights on. Uh, They are realizing that the power drain on the grid right during the evening is immense and identifying electric cars is the problem. And they want to mandate smart meters in everybody's house that will, when the power company chooses, will shut off your electric vehicle charging. Of course. Um, Then they say the benefits to the smart meter infrastructure is that we can also use this for other high drain infrastructure, such as heat and range ovens. Of course. Uh, they also say uh, that uh, the, this would only be used as a last resort emergency measure when market solutions fail to solve the problem. And we know what these bureaucrats think about market solutions. And we know from 2020, from the last six months of 14 days to flatten the curve, exactly what bureaucrats think constitutes an emergency measure and why they will never, ever give up that power if they can declare an emergency once in order to seize it. So congratulations, Britain. Now that you've all moved to electric cars, you might as well just stay home because they won't let you charge them. Don't you have smart meters there yet in the Seattle area? I I don't know. Yeah, they forced um, it on us. Some of the cities, some of the cities might. I still have the same meter that was on this house 15 years ago when I bought it. Yeah, we went but kicking and screaming smart, into this about two years ago. I have a smart water ago. meter now. They yeah. dug a big ass hole in my yard for that. Yeah, that too. Yeah, both of those here because, you know, it's much more convenient for the reading to be just over the air for them which i get but uh it's also very convenient and here's the other thing about the smart meter is in order to exercise this level of control you need not only the meter to be smart but the meter also needs to have some kind of tendrils into your circuit box to selectively turn on and off particular circuits yes uh, which will happen 
Um, but yeah, so we're, we're getting into the point where, um, you know, the, the, from, I said, from the, I told you so department, moving everybody to electric vehicles, everybody was, you know, all of the proponents were saying, Hey, this doesn't have any of the side effects. Well, one of the side effects is you're slamming the crap out of the power grid. And, uh, as an addendum to the power grid story we did a while ago, uh, remember that, um, you know, peak demand, uh, increases and decreases during the day and not necessarily at the same time that solar and wind power are available and the availability of power is probably the biggest challenge in power generation these days. And I can guarantee every one of those green grids is uh, that, that, you know, relies on 90% solar is going 100% natural gas during peak hours in the evening when everybody's plugging in their electric cars because they can't meet demand any other way. And natural gas is one of the few supplies that is available when you need it and can be ramped up very quickly. Well, people just need to understand how the technology works. And like all of your cell phone tracking stuff, the ability for the power company to track exactly when you're using power and what devices are using power. I mean, you're absolutely right. It's eventually going to get to the point. It's probably right after we switch from nuclear to, oh, you know what? We could do all uh, solar. Yeah, and yeah. that would be great. We're decommissioning nuclear plants and building more wind farms. Yes. So now it's like, oh, yeah, we don't have a lot of power right now. You can't my, run your my dishwasher. Favorite excuses, my favorite excuse is when people say, well, those cooling towers are an eyesore. What the hell do you think 300 turbines all over the landscape are? <laughs> a little bit of an eyesore. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But oh, this we have is- a crap load of those, especially in eastern Washington. You can't drive from here to Spokane without driving past about. 15 gigantic wind farms and uh, yeah compared to like the the windows xp screensaver rolling hills of wheat these things are fucking hideous to look at and i find it ironic that comed our power company here in the chicago area monthly ran out a piece of paper put it in an envelope postage send it to me telling me how much more electricity i'm using than anybody else they do it to everybody whether you're using more or less but they send you a printout every month, which is here's how much power you've used. Here's how much the average person uses. Here's how much the average, you know, good person uses who uses less because yep. using less electricity somehow is uh, something good. to well, these it, people. It, It's environmental. When is using less of a product good to the company providing the product? I mean, crack dealers, oh. you think they're going like, hey, Jimmy, you didn't have you. Just, you did good. You used less crack this week. No, it, but it's green. <laughs> green crap you're saving the environment by living in the stone age man when people, something yeah when people wake up and realize that these smart meters that can just say oh oh you have an electric water heater well you don't have enough electricity to, to do so just take a cold <laughs> shower you're fine uh yeah well it's it's the cost of keeping the microphones humming it is we need electricity to keep the microphones humming but this kind of granular control I mean, all this stuff is pushed as convenience, but when it all comes down to it, when you have an authoritarian government, then it becomes, oh, well, we don't have enough power. And, you know, that Bemrose house, I mean, my house, I mean, I'm always using way too much power. One, because in the summer, unlike a lot of people who leave the house to go to work, I'm always in the house and I like it cool. So I run the air conditioning. You know what else I run? Multiple computers, multiple network attached storage devices. Climate destroying. I know. And I got a big screen TV and I'm going to run my dishwasher and I'm going to run 
my overpriced yes. LG washer and dryer. You your, won't. your washer and dryer with the app that has <laughs> yes. to be on all the time. Yes. Yeah. So it needs electricity and I get it. I use more electricity than everybody else. But here's the thing. If I can afford the electricity, fuck you. I'm going to use as much as I want to. If it costs me three bucks a day to run all of my gear and to keep the house at 65 degrees in the summer, who cares? Well, you know, the next step is, is that in addition to that passive aggressive letter saying you're destroying the environment by using too much power, they're eventually going to just go to a graduated energy scale where, you know, once you go above average, they're going to charge you, you know, $10 a kilowatt or something. Right. Like going over your cap on uh, your your (laughs) internet provider. Oh, yes. We're going to charge you more if you want to go over this. We're putting a cap on how and much if, electricity if, you can use. If anybody from the power companies are listening, that's not a suggestion. <laughs> yeah. And if it happens, it's all your fault. It is probably all absolutely Most things are your fault. Uh, I don't know. I, I'll go along with that. Okay. We do have two so, experts that we want to thank today. I was hoping you were going to say that for our Monday shows. I mean, it's, it's, it's weird. I get it. Although we're on the same schedule as no agenda. They're just a much bigger show for us. We have Friday and Monday, so it's quite often that Mondays don't get as much love, and that's okay. It's a Monday. We get it. Nobody likes Mondays. The uh, Who was it that told us? The Boomtown Rats told and, us they don't like Mondays. And and people, uh, it, nobody's in the office over the weekend to, to donate, so I understand. And there's relatively new. I mean, nobody's in the office over the week either, but. <laughs> well, that's true. You know, for the Monday shows, it's like, oh, we're doing a Friday show and Monday. I mean, there's usually no news that comes out on the weekend, but somehow. We find stuff to complain about. I don't know how. It's a skill, I guess. I have an immense backlog of things to complain about. You still you're have, not going to run out. You still have this red book or something there with uh, Bemrose rants that need to come out. I actually do have a file uh, called rants to do. <laughs> uh, we need to do this. It, it curr- let's see. The 123 lines. Oh, well, see, we need text. To, we need to build that. And, uh, and I'm, I'm add, working my way through it at alcohol. Uh, uh, first and foremost today that we'd like to th- would like to thank expert Sir Lee Mofo coming in again with 2525. He uh, sent it in. He was having problems with PayPal too. totally different issues than I was having because he said he was having pro- problems with PayPal this morning. I'm like, you have an right. NVIDIA gr- yeah, graphics card. And Sir Matthew's like, why the hell? Why does that matter with he's having PayPal problems? It's like, uh, trust I, I me. have problems with PayPal and they have nothing to do with technical reasons. <laughs> Okay, so you don't want any money that comes in through PayPal, you're saying? Well, I want the money, but when you send me money, it's not through PayPal. No. You're just buying microphones and stuff. I I do send it through PayPal to your wife because she won't allow you to have a PayPal account. I mean, you're very much whipped. Yeah. It's it's so awesome. I don't have to worry (laughs) about so many things. It's a great system. I get it. (laughs) And he says, hope this is the right place to send. And then he just says, grump, grump. So, I mean, he gets us. Grump, grump. And... We have 10 bucks. And and honestly, nothing more needs to be said. Exactly. And we have 10 bucks from our buddy truck driver who says, uh, Darren, split this any way you want. So that 10 bucks all to me (laughs) Just split it any way you want. Ryan, he says, you mentioned on the last don't on my last donation that you listened to my podcast recently. That wasn't my podcast. (laughs) My podcast uh, ended in 2007. And I don't think they're online anymore. So, I mean, although you never know, you could well, be a time never, traveler. I don't know which truck driver I listen to. Then he's listening to somebody. There, there has to be more than one truck driver somewhere that has podcasts. Ryan is just listening to random truck drivers and not even on podcasts. No, I was listening. I was listening to a podcast of somebody who drives a truck and donated to no agenda because 
that's actually how I, I hear about a lot of the podcast from the community is people will send to the donation notes and be like, Adam, please listen to the podcast. Well, Adam doesn't have time for that, but I'll, I'll listen sometimes. There is a secret to getting your show on the no agenda stream. And it doesn't seem that the best way to do that is to donate to no agenda. It seems donating to grumpy old Ben's where no agenda streams for uh, number one, uh, what's pro program director. That's the words I'm looking for. Uh, actually does the podcast stream monkey stream monkey yes stream monkey no agenda stream program director all the same sir Bemrose is the guy and i know you didn't want people to know that for a long time because it creates strife for you now when people send you podcasts i mean like cold acid his podcast is horrible and he's like put this up on the stream or hog story and you're like oh god this thing sucks but i like these guys so i'll put it up on the stream and yeah, but i was able to hold out for like five episodes and give him five weeks worth of <laughs> crap about how much you know, like you you need to you need no you need to bow down to my will or it's never going to happen and i mean of course eventually i gave in but at least i got the entertainment value out of that right he's like here's how you're going to do your podcast if you want me to run it on my stream boyo come on and everybody bends everybody listens to the bemrose way people know we're kidding cold acid you do a good show that abel kirby though i'm not too sure about but we also had a note from chris who said he had the same issue as i did with the ipad and if you want to open up something to where it doesn't, you know, if you go to like a link to a tweet to get it not to try to open up in an app, you can open it up in a browser. Just hold it for a second and click open a new tab. And that's the secret. So see, the beauty of Grumpy Old Ben's is when we complain about things every now and then somebody out there knows the answer and they let us know. So we appreciate that, Chris. And we appreciate yeah. certainly you know Mofo and Truck me. Driver. What does that tell you? It, it tells me that uh, instead of a link, what they've got is some kind of JavaScript thing where you click on something and then they're going to pretend that it's uh, a hyperlink like has been in the HTTP spec right. or the HTML spec forever. But they're really running a bit of script that says we're going to go ahead and launch and right click in new tab. We'll go and grab the hyperlink that it's displaying and actually open it because it's the browser doing that instead of letting the page JavaScript do its thing, which is yet another reason to get unit matrix and take that little bit of poison script out of the, out of the page. Well, there is a lot of poison on the internet, both uh, uh, intentionally malicious. And there's a lot of stuff that just happens to be malicious, even though it wasn't intending to, uh, there's really no win. And we could really only suggest people stay the hell off the internet. And I, I have another story that I wasn't able to to find enough useful sources for or research, um, but I, I think is important and I might bring it on Friday. And that is uh, there is a I, I might bring it if I can figure out any kind of confirmation. Uh, there's a rumor. Maybe, maybe some of our experts know that U Matrix has stopped getting updates. Really? And yeah. If you know about that, uh, you know, hit me up on no agenda social or, or in the troll room, because, um, I, I was not able and, you know, the extensive amount of research I was doing this morning in five minutes, uh, was to say, confirm this. Are you just now literally asking people to do your job for you? Well, it's less work for me that way. Well, but can you, can you guarantee the quality control that's going out? Uh, yeah. I, I mean, at least to the same level as me doing it. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And I wanted to play this. Now, there was something that came in a, a little while ago, and we never did play this on the show, but uh, this came in from Cold Acid and Abel Kirby. I think they were suggesting 
we replace the modem noise that you love so much. I love it already. With this. A sick fall to my brain. The server's acted weird and I've been scared. They know my private key. So I download on the slide. I play that I hear a guy with just one eye. Yeah, it been rose. I like that falsetto at the end. That sounds yeah, like, was that I, I, I love it. It sounded exactly like uh, a you know, stra- riff of straight out of the seventies, <laughs> <And laughs> even to the point where I couldn't <laughs> understand a single lyric. <laughs> so you like it then you want to, you want to, I think you're more rage against the machine though. You're more a KMFDM. You mean you, uh, you keep, you keep spreading evil rumors like that. Okay. I'm sorry. You like more like human league, Debbie Gibson, <laughs> And Tiffany and uh, Britney Spears. That's more what you're going for. I can neither confirm nor deny all of the vicious rumors that you keep starting. Yeah, I I try to start them. Yeah. Well, you know what? As long as they entertain me, I'm fine with it. And we appreciate that, Abel Kirby. I don't know if that quite does it for a, you know, a replacement. I mean, people have come to expect hearing that printer noise and the modem. And our intro is just it's 20 seconds. The intro we play that was a little longer. and. Um, I don't know, but I'm not saying no to ideas for people that are coming up with new stuff. Uh, and if there's, you know, if there's little things like for segments and things like that, we've, I mean, we're only what a hundred almost episodes in, maybe it's time to start upping the production value a little. I don't know. No, no, <laughs> we wouldn't want to, we wouldn't want to set expectations incorrectly. Yeah, you're right. We definitely wouldn't want to, uh, we wouldn't want to ruin things in such the, the, a way. The first rule to being a miracle worker is you have to keep expectations low. Yeah, Dancing Queen. See, that might be something, Carolyn Blaney, that uh, Ryan. I could see Ryan with the cats and dancing around the house, humming it along. Says the person who loves Taylor Swift. I do. I I'd like rather Taylor. hear the modem noise. <laughs> I like Taylor. I like uh, Billie Eilish. I mean, I don't like their politics, but then again, I don't like almost any politics for musicians, except Uncle Ted. Uncle Ted's the only one that spews the truth, man. Eh, yeah. There, there's a few others, but. Yeah. Okay. You're right. There are a few others. They're just not as outwardly expressive of those opinions. You got anything else? Do we need any other stories? As we can cut this one. It's right about two hours. At least you yeah, know we 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 should quit while we're behind. We should quit while we're behind. I was looking because I'm a few episodes behind. And uh, forgive me, Podfather and MoFax. I'm a little behind on the MoFax show, but they're three and a half hours long with regularity. Now they've made no agenda seem short. And it's like, oh, my God, that's a long show. We bloviate long at two hours, uh, three and a half. You want you want to try a three and a half hour show someday? No. <laughs> How many bathroom breaks would that be? That's the question. I at least four or five. But uh, who's counting? We can always just fit those in because we'll play clips. But we I mean, honestly, after after about an hour, 40, my mind starts wandering and I stop listening to you. Well, that I thought that was after like a minute 40. I'm sorry. A minute 40. I stopped listening. Exactly. Now, if anybody wants to, we do do the value for value thing. If you want to be one of the experts and you want to donate, we hope you do. We hope you get some value out of the show and want to show some value back. Go to grumpyoldbens.com. Click the donate button. Go to patreon.com slash grumpyoldbens and sign up there. That's another way just to get money to us. 
There's a QR code on grumpyoldbens.com if you want to do the Bitcoin thing. And there's even a snail mail address. And I promise Sergeant Fred going to the post office this week. So we should have a note from Sergeant Fred on Friday. But go to grumpyoldbens.com. We appreciate everybody for supporting the show in all sorts of different ways, including coming along in the troll room when we do these shows live on Monday and Friday at noon Eastern time. Noagendastream.com. So until next time, I am Darren O'Neill coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of middle America, just outside of Chirac, where I don't have a cat on my lap. And from America's left coast, where I can't figure out where on the grid to plug in my gas guzzler. I'm Ryan Bimrose.